I was reading earlier this morning that it was exactly 250 years ago on this date that Amazing Grace was sung for the first time. Written by John Newton, former slave, slave owner, slave trader, ended up being an Anglican priest. And I couldn't help but think, as Jarrell was talking about 2022, that many of us have gone through some difficult times. Some have been happy times. But through the course of the year, the thing that gets us through all of that is the amazing grace of God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Over the course of this next year, we're going to talk about the church. We're going to talk about its mission. We're going to talk about where it's going, but we're also going to do some special things. Um, you know, I, around Thanksgiving, we always do a Thanksgiving uh, service of some kind, and we'll sing. You don't have to listen to me. Don't, I, I don't want to hear any amens. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll just sing some songs and read some scriptures, and I may make a few comments every every once in a while, but uh, we're going to do that several times over the course of the year, not just at Thanksgiving. So we're going to have some special services uh, over the course of the next year. And I'm also going to look at the seven churches of Asia, what we have in common with them, what we don't have in common with them. They're not going to all come at once. We're going to scatter them throughout the year. Uh, but we're going to just look at different things like that. It's going to be a good year. Especially if we continue to remember God's amazing grace. Let's pray. Father, you're so good to us. And through good times and bad times, through joy and sadness, through trial and tribulation, through victory... You stand by us at all times. And so we ask that over the course of the next year, if, if this is not the time that your son comes back to claim his own, that we will continue to be the church that you want us to be. That we will fight through the, the battles that we will be the kind of people that we ought to be. And Father, we dedicate this year to you, and we ask that you bless us, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can agree or disagree with me, and that's okay. I'm, I'm not going to say what some people say. You can disagree with me if you want to be wrong. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I mean, you can disagree with me if you want. But I personally think COVID did a number on the church. 
I think it, 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 I don't want to say weakened it. Maybe it did. Uh, it, it seemed to, it, it almost became a political thing, didn't it? It tried to divide us. It tried to make us, uh, you know, put one against another. And it wasn't just here. It was globally. It was regionally. It was locally. It was all over the place. And I think Satan used COVID to destroy the church. Some decided to go elsewhere in the, in the middle of all of this. Others just quit coming. And let's face it, we had friends of ours who, who went on to their reward during this time. Others just stayed at home. And I, I heard this comment, you know, I kind of like this sitting at home and watching you uh, on, on a recording. I like sitting at home drinking my coffee and sitting in my pajamas and, and watching that. And I'm not trying to offend anyone, but it's kind of like having the fake fireplace. You know, if you have the fake fireplace, I don't care how much you stick your hands up there, you're not going to get warm. And I think it's affected a lot of things. I think it's affected our giving to an extent. And I know preachers get in trouble uh, talking about giving. And I'm going to talk about giving later on in this series. But I do see a rebound. I do see a recovery coming. And I, I think it's because we are finally recovering and coming out of this this mess that Satan made. And there's a lot of gloom and doom. I've, I've read a number of books recently that talk about uh, how our numbers, and I'm, I'm not talking about necessarily here, I'm talking about all the numbers of the church are declining. And, and, and I mean, it is, if you read that and have a steady diet of that, you're going to pretty much think, oh my goodness, you know what? One in the world's going to go, go down. And I, st I know statistically that our tribe seems to be slowly ebbing away, and we have to do something about that. But our culture has changed. Our demeanor has changed. Our audience has changed. And so many times we just keep doing the same things over and over again. But I think the future is bright. I think it's bright for the church globally. But I think it's bright for the Southwest Church of Christ. In Matthew chapter 16, there's a scenario which Mike read earlier and I know you're all familiar with. And it's interesting. Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 9 have the same thing. But they don't spend a whole lot of time on this. Only Matthew spends a little bit of time on this. And I have looked for context, and frankly, I can't find it. They're, they're northeast of Galilee. Jesus has his disciples around him. And the only thing I can figure out, it's near Caesarea Philippi. Here we are in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you? Who do you say that I am? I want to pause there for just a minute. Don't we do the same thing? Jesus comes to us and says, who do people say that I am? And we can tell all kinds of things. We can say, well, some say this and some say that and some say this. But really when it all comes down to it, he says, but you, who do you say that I am? And I think that's something that each one of us must come to grips with. I think it's something that each one of us must answer. Simon Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. I think Simon was right. I think Peter was right. But I'm not sure he really still got it. He goes on to say, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There are some that say, okay, there you go, see? See, it was Peter that Jesus built the church on. Notice what it says. I will build my church. I. It's Christ's church. And I know there's a controversy, and I know there are some people that say, well, it was Peter. And, and we can argue all day, if you want a, just a short argument on this. Peter, his name Simon the Rock, was, was masculine Upon this rock I will build my church. The church rock is, is feminine. The church is called the bride of Christ. It's always referred in the feminine. And so I don't think it was on one person that Jesus was building his church. If you want to know what one person Jesus was building the church on, it was Jesus Christ himself. Ephesians 5 tells us, that he's the head of the church. Jesus is the architect. In that wonderful passage in Colossians chapter 1, it says he's the head of the body, the church. And it's not the shepherds, it's not the preachers, it's not the deacons, it's not even the charter members. It is Jesus Christ himself who is the rock. It is his church. And nobody else's. He says, I will build. It wasn't going to happen right then. It is in the future. I will. None of his disciples understood exactly what the church was. They were catching a glimpse of it. But they still didn't get it. And even as late as Acts chapter 1. Jesus was preparing to enter into heaven, and they said, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
I, I hope they TiVoed that. I want to see Jesus do a face plant. Not a face plant, but a face palm. And said, you know what? Guys, you just go to Jerusalem and wait there. He said, I will build. It's not only a beginning, but it's an ongoing process. It's the thing that I cling to. It's the thing we should all cling to. That we continue to build the church that Jesus established. The church will not die. My dad, I love the man. Dad always, and I appreciated this attitude completely. There were a lot of books that came out and he would read them and it would really, really disturb him when it complained about the church. And dad would always say, I don't like this because Jesus gave his life for the church. And I'm not going to complain about it. Now, I understand that there are times when we need to do some things to change some things up, to quit doing what we've done, to tear it down. But Jesus did build his church. The church is called the ecclesia in Scripture. Ek means out of. Kaleo is a verb that means to call out. There's a secular definition that says it's a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. Now, turn that into a spiritual application. The church is those who have been called out of the world. The church is not this building the church isn't the chairs that we sit in. The church isn't the air conditioning unit. The church is you. The church is those who have been called out to be different, to say we're going to be different than the world. Not because we're special, but because he's special. It's his church. It's him doing the calling. And if you look at this passage, did you see what Jesus said? He said, and the gates of Hades or hell, the realm of the dead, the, the kingdom of Satan, if you want to put it that way, cannot, cannot stand against it. N.T. Wright's translation says, the gates of hell won't overpower it. Satan's domain. Satan cannot withstand the power of the church, of the called out, of you. And that's what he's called us to today. To be called out of the world, to be different, to be special. And again, not because we're special, but because he's special. To be 
as he is, to be transformed into his likeness, and to be Jesus to the world. That's what he's calling us to, and that's what he's called us to today. I'm so glad you're here because you've been called out. You say, well, I'm, I'm a visitor here. No, no, no. You've been called out. I don't know. This thought just came to me. I remember in school, if you were called out in school, that was usually not a good thing, was it? <laughs> the teacher called you out. And in this case, you have been called out for good. To be called out to be different. To be called out, as I've already said, to be Jesus to the world. And if that's not where you are today, I would encourage you to make that stand today. Our shepherds and their wives will be in the, in the doorways. If you need to talk to them. If you say, I've been called out, but I've, I've gone back. Don't, don't waste another minute. Remember, the gates of hell cannot withstand the church. And he's calling you to that. Darrell has selected a song for, for your encouragement. And so I would encourage you, if you need to respond to the invitation anyway, come as we stand and sing.